Well, hello and welcome to QBD Book Club, the podcast. I'm Victoria Carthew. Today, I'm taking you into the great outdoors for an adventure. But I have to say, dear listeners, that this is the type of camping trip you might like to avoid. So instead, you could sit in the comfort of your own home and live vicariously through the words of Hannah Ritchell. She has a fantastic new book out called The Search Party. Let's have a listen. Hi, Victoria. It's so lovely to be here with you. So lovely to have you with us as, as well. And I think, you know, welcome back because I know there are fans right around the world and certainly many here in Australia that have missed you since the River Home. It's great to have a book back on the shelves. Yeah, isn't it? I'm Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. Thank you. It's been a little bit of time between and you, you've talked quite openly, um, certainly at the end of the book, but in, in some interviews you've done, talked about the time you spent writing this book in the process. It was a little different for you, wasn't it? It was. Um, and it wasn't the easiest process, actually, this one, because um, I'd written four previous books and um, was sort of at a bit of a crossroads, really, as to where to go. And of course, that period hit at exactly the same time as the pandemic and the lockdowns that we all went through. Um, and I was homeschooling the kids and as many, many writers were sort of juggling, uh, it became a bit of a, a stress point really as to sort of how to fit the writing into the day. Um, and also I was just um, at that crossroads, as I say, about where to take my writing next and what I was interested in pursuing. And I think um, over the course of a few months, really, I suddenly realized I was sort of descending into a slightly darker side with my books. Um, <laughs> and that's where the search party came. But but I was sort of playing around with a few different ideas and I wasn't um, uh, disciplined enough to, to really focus on the search party for quite a while. So I started writing a, a different book and then it was the characters in the search party that were just sort of nagging away at me saying, no, come back to this, come back to this story. And so that's how I eventually kind of really just went hard at the search party and, and finished it. And I'm so glad I did because I would have been so annoyed if those characters, if I hadn't finished their story with them. Absolutely. If you'd left them behind, because there's a lot of them and they're all so unique and so interesting. So I love that they were kind of tapping you on the shoulder. I also really love that um, this is obviously our, our Australian version, but I've also seen the covers from around the world and they are all just so evocative, aren't they? That must have been because you've had such success around the world. It must be quite a lot of fun putting it all together. It's amazing. I mean, that's a real thrill, actually, when the covers come in from the publishers and you see the different interpretations of the, the moods and the style and, and how they see your book. And um, it can sometimes be challenging if it doesn't quite match what you've got in your head. But with this one, um, every cover that came in, I was just like, oh, I love it. And then the next one came in, I was like, I love that. And and I think um, at the moment it's got three different covers for the US, Canada, um, Australia and the UK and they're all in their own way they're all really special. When you talked about um, a little bit darker a little bit I mean people have talked about this being quite different from your earlier work um, it is it is darker is the one word you can use but it, it's much more of that kind of thriller down that path isn't it was you said you were exploring it but was it was it kind of fun or a bit scary to go down that path? No it was fun um, it Love was it. really fun because <laughs> I've always played with suspense in my books. So previously I've written more in a sort of family drama genre, but there's always been secrets and there's always been a sort of puzzle for the reader to solve. And there has been darkness too. I mean, I haven't strayed away from, you know, the light and shade that we face in our lives. 
But with this one, it was very much, you know, how do I make it twistier? How do I make the reader want to turn the page at the end of each chapter and keep going? And that for me was the sort of driving force behind this book, how to how to really create a pace and a suspense that kind of kept the reader on the edge of their seat. I kind of wanted to grab them and just make them, you know, get to the end and then feel really satisfied by the conclusion. You absolutely did that in so many ways. I can't wait to talk about the processes and the the tricks that you used along the way. It is, um, the search party is about a group of families that go camping a little bit off grid, but in a, in a nice way. And I love it because um, it's glamping, which is quite an Aussie thing, right? I didn't realise it was something you do in the UK as well. But when I started reading it, I actually felt like I could have been in Australia. It felt very, very Australian. And then I realised, of course, because you, can we call you half Australian, half Aussie? Yeah, absolutely. I'm an Australian citizen, so I'm kind of, I'm a bit of both. Yeah. but you, And you can tell that there's, I mean, it's very much set, you, your weather and the setting, it's incredibly um, English, but there is a real kind of commonality there, I feel like, that really will appeal to readers as well. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about the location. So it's set in North Cornwall, but having lived in New South Wales for over a decade, when I moved back to the UK, um, I found myself really drawn to Cornwall and I think it is very reminiscent of the New South Wales coast. So in a funny way, it was my way of taking myself back to a familiar terrain that I was really, really missing. And particularly during lockdown, you know, it was great for me to be able to escape in my head to this place that I love. Um, but I think it is quite a universal um, sort of setting in that it's a peninsula on a bit of coastland, which is very rugged and very beautiful. And I think for a lot of us, you know, we can all take ourselves to that space. If you've walked along cliff tops and, and been to a beautiful headland, it's, it's you know, no different really to anywhere else, other than obviously the wonderful English climate that throws I was going to say the weather does play quite a role in this book and you use it to your advantage. Yeah, I think it was really fun actually to kind of start off with this idyllic setting and then to think about what can I throw at these poor characters to really give them the worst weekend of their lives. And of course, a huge storm when you're lying in a tent, you know, with nothing but fabric to separate you from the elements. It had to be a storm kind of rolling in unexpectedly and, and causing a whole lot of problems for these characters. I think um, I, I did have this little bit of a moment when I was reading because uh, particularly yeah, when the when the weather was setting in, I once stayed with my family at a glamping place, actually outside of Brisbane. So we're a very warm place, as you know, but it was middle of winter. And when we got up in the morning, we had to chip the ice off our windscreens and it just felt very foreign. And when I was reading some of the weather in here, I thought, oh, yeah, I can. And when you're in a yeah. tent, you don't feel quite as um, quite as stable as having a real roof over your head, do you? So it does kind of set you on edge. Yeah, absolutely. It's that kind of outside inside sort of vibe that, you know, I was playing around with. And also I like the idea of glamping over clamp of camping. Clamping? <laughs> um <laughs> that's a new one. Yes. Um, because I think it set up expectations with the different characters. So for some of them, um, they would never go camping and they were there because they were sort of pushed over the line by the idea of it being this slightly more glamorous ideal of of camping um and others are disappointed because they want the full camping experience and they're kind of looking around and they see it as a bit of luxury really um so it kind of set the expectations and created more tension between the characters and it was just a really fun setting and then to use the weather to kind of trap them and make it almost a sort of locked room mystery but set yes. on a peninsula which they can't escape from um just meant that I could really ratchet up the tension another level 
And of course, the other layer that gets added to that, as we all know, often when you are remote and, and far away, there's no technology, there's no contact. And that is perfect for someone that's writing a thriller and trying to put people in uh, precarious situations. Exactly. When you strip all that away, everyone has to kind of find their own resources. And um, and that that was challenging writing it, but it was also fun because people couldn't just grab their phones and call the emergency services and hand it over to the experts. So, yeah, it meant that they really were left to their own devices. So we have four families who are all old university friends, very different stages of their lives. I love that you give us a little map to kick off with because we're at we're at Wilderness. Great name, by the way. What a fabulous name to you know name a place, uh, Wilderness. And then you also set us up with um, which I was just such a good helpful thing. I referred back so often. You give us all of our characters to begin with because four families, lots of people. Yeah, a lot of people. It was hard to juggle them. So for me, um, when I was writing the book, I actually drew myself. A little map which looked nothing like that one it was appalling if you go on my instagram you can actually see a little sort of snippet of what i drew and i even had the cows in there on my original but they do not look like those cows they're terrible they're good cows <laughs> <laughs> those are good ones because they're done by a proper illustrator but my map was literally just lines and scrawls but i needed it to be able to work out the terrain that i'd created in my head and to move the characters like chess pieces around this this landscape. So the map was helpful to me. And I also had a cast of characters. But then when I was talking to the publisher about actually creating the book, um, it was it was their idea, actually. They were like, can we put the map and the characters in? And, and I'm so glad we did because... Um, I go back to books that I loved reading, like Jilly Cooper, where she had a huge cast of characters and there was always a list at the front. And I used to love poring over those. And I used to always love books with maps. So for me, it's just a really lovely addition. And I hope it does help the reader sort of navigate through the story. I think what's great about it also, I mean, it does help you navigate, but also it makes you do more than just fly through a book because sometimes you think, oh, hang on a minute. So you do go back, you stop, you pause because we can read. I sometimes, I think we do read too. I love reading quickly, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> you, you get through it and you think, oh, I should have saved it a bit more. So you do find yourself going back, checking who's who in the zoo, what actually happens. And, um, yeah, I think it was a, a wonderful technique because the other thing you also did is you didn't just write about the characters. Each of those characters spoke to us. Yeah, I wanted to take the reader into each point of view, um, which is complicated because obviously you're then juggling a lot of different people and a lot of different needs and um, you know motivations and backstories but I felt it was important with this crew that you kind of understood first of all the history between them because they've known each other for 20 years but also the divisions that have built up between yeah. them within those 20 years because actually they're not the same people anymore that they were when they first met at university and they've been changed by their careers and their marriages and parenthood and all the different sort of conflicts and tensions that they've had in their life and so to put them all back into this sort of one very tense weekend it was important that you did see their different perspectives and get to know them through their own stories um, and their own points of view. Uh, but then, it, as I say, it was a challenge to write that because there was a lot to juggle. And I felt like I kept thinking about how, because I, I mean, I guess I'm so lucky to get to speak to so many amazing authors and think about how they did it and how they went about it. And I kept thinking, wow, you set yourself an amazing challenge because not only is there two timelines, so you've got what happened on the weekend away and the aftermath, but you never tell us what 
that is until the very end. Then you have multiple characters because everyone sort of has a voice. So I just had this vision of you sitting there with everybody's name, everybody lying down. Who gets to speak next? Who gets to do this next? It must have been amazing and also challenging. It was challenging, but what was interesting was that the characters were telling me who needed to speak next. Bossy. They were bossy. They were bossy, but also it was sort of who who has the insight on what happened next. And the way I lead the reader through is through a police investigation. So it's actually a few days after the, the weekend from hell and the police are questioning all the characters and trying to work out what's happened, just as the reader's trying to work out what's happened. And so as the police speak to the different characters, the characters reveal their own truths and their truths don't always match up with everyone else's, but they've all got their own individual perspective on the weekend. And that actually made it easier to tell the story because it sort of became quite clear who was to speak next. So there's a young boy in the book called Kip, who was one of my favorite characters to write. Yeah. And he his chapters, you know, it was really clear to me when he needed to speak and when he needed to hold back. Um, and he's quite an internal boy as well. So a lot of his um, presentation to the reader is through his sort of inner monologues and his thoughts and feelings. He, um, and that's interesting you say that, he almost added this sense of calm because a lot of the adults were quite outspoken and big personalities and a lot going on. And then whenever you heard from Kip, because he was, yeah, quite insular, um, yeah, it was a very different sort of way to, it made you step back from the story and take a bit more of a look at it. Yeah. Yeah, and I quite like that sort of uh, shifting in pace and and tone as well, which I think books, you know, they, they kind of need because if you just go at it, you know, just hell for leather. I mean, I love books like that where you can't stop turning the pages, but also I like moments of sort of contemplation and, and thoughtfulness too. It's that time of year. Our catalogue is out now for the mums and the other great women in your life. A book absolutely is the gift that keeps on giving. It gives that woman in your life, your mum, your grandma, your carer, time out. I reckon they've earned it. So take a look at the QBD Mother's Day catalogue out now. So talk us through our four families because they are very different. As you said, they were old friends. They'd been at university 20 years earlier. But all of them are in very different stages of life uh, with their, their so in fact there's sort of two circles of friends in terms of there's a new male on the scene and there's a new female on the scene and the kids are all at different ages so talk us through the families without giving so, too much weight <laughs> yeah no i can definitely do that so um the alpha of the group is a guy called dominic davies who is probably had the most successful career in that he is now sort of quite notorious as being a reality TV judge and sort of, you know, anyone who reads the book will have their own ideas about who it yes. might be based on. <laughs> um, so he's there with his second wife, Tanya, and his two kids from his first marriage and um, his daughter, Phoebe, who he's had with Tanya. So they're a sort of blended family. Um, and he is very much the alpha of the group, as I say. Then there's Jim, who is Dominic's best friend from university. He's with his partner, Suze, and they've got three um, blonde, tangle-haired kids with them. Um, and they are sort of more the hippies of the group. They're into sort of whole foods and yoga. And um, <laughs> Jim's not had the most successful career, so there's a little tension between him and Dominic about their different paths. Then you've also got Kira, who is um, a doctor, and she's arrived with her new boyfriend and a baby. 
And then the last family in the group. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember that. Max, Max and Annie. <laughs> Max and Annie, the most important ones, because they've yes. set up the glamping site. They're architects from London. They've decided to leave the rat race and they've set up this beautiful site and they've invited all their friends down for a, a weekend reunion to test out the site before they open to the public. Um, and they've got an adopted son called Kip. So those are the four families. Thank you for the prompt. Um, <laughs> that's all right. And yeah, it's it's them all coming together that sparks the chaos. It's so interesting, isn't it, when you've, um, and you've, you've often done that, where you, you really do delve into families and relationships and the, the oddness and the flaws. Um, to see these group of adults who have lived their own lives but remain such good friends, but as things sort of unravel a little bit, the things you pick out in each other and the things that have always been there, and that's the fascinating part, isn't it? And people identify with those flaws and, and what's going right and wrong. I think the central question to the book really is, are they even friends after all this time? And one of the characters comments that he's learnt that the cells in our bodies um, renew every seven years. So they have a conversation about, are they even the same skins and the same people? And and I think that's what they have to confront, you know, not just the wild elements of the weekend and the, the, the sort of external forces that are causing a lot of trouble for them, but also their own friendships and how much they actually really like each other now and and that that's true to life isn't it and particularly um the kids you put in the book are terrific and they a couple of them we hear from quite a lot um but they're different ages they're different stages of life and the parents have different ways of managing them and that's just so real and so realistic to how it actually is particularly in this yeah. age yeah I wanted to play around with that idea as well of that feeling I can remember it so well when you sort of get thrown together with other families as a kid and you know you've got your own life going on and for one of the characters Scarlett who is um, 16 you know she's desperate to be off with her friends and yet she's forced into this weekend and she's not happy about it and I wanted the kids to have as much sort of tension and, and issues going on as the adults um, so it kind of became a real soup of problems. And that focus on parenting now, like you touched on it so beautifully because everyone's got an opinion, everyone's got a different way of going about it. And you gave us four very different parenting styles, didn't you? I did. And actually, interestingly, I haven't ever mentioned this in an interview before, but I cut out a big scene, which is the mums discussing their baby routines and how they approached, you know, breastfeeding and things. Because even that in itself, you know, you, you sort of, find yourself when you have a baby in your arms, you know, suddenly everyone's got an opinion about how you should be doing things. And I thought, again, that would be a fantastic way just to kind of express the complications between them all as, as women, you know, how they're navigating their parenting styles. But in the end, it was, it was too slow and I needed to take it out, but it was another sort of idea really of um, how, when you've got the helicopter parents and the free range parents all coming together for one weekend, it's, it's going to be explosive. And of course, you touch on, you mentioned Dom, the dominant character earlier, and he's a very kind of well-known TV personality. It's interesting how that kind of bobs up and invades life, be it someone trying to take a photo at a shop or, or just that overall persona and how that plays into the world we live in now. Yeah, the, the reality TV side of things was quite interesting to play with because they are in the middle of nowhere in in the wilds and so they're all kind of reduced to the same level but Dominic is a man with a huge ego and and so that inevitably comes to the fore 
And there are things, as I say, external forces within this book that come into play as well over the weekend. And um, Dominic's kind of life is very central to, to the sort of development of the story. And the way he responds to things is very central to the story. Um, and I can't say too much without giving it no, away, but no. he was a really fun character to write. Oh, absolutely. I wanted to shake him many times indeed. <laughs> um, and it, it's so late. I, again, I'm trying to not say too much, but it is quite late in the book where you actually even get a sense of what actually happened. And it's such a clever clever way to do things because if you're constantly wondering and worrying and thinking and why did you always know who and what and how and where it was going to land because it it changed tack so often and you threw us out plenty of you know red herrings did you always know where it was going I didn't actually so I, I, was, <laughs> I was writing um the story but I knew it wasn't enough I could Feel it wasn't enough and then I suddenly realized that there could be a pivot at a certain point that was going to take the story in a kind of even more dramatic direction and and that for me was the kind of moment where I was just like I've got it right this is it and and that was the really exciting moment but I had to write my way to that solution um, but it was interesting because my very first book Secrets of the Tides has a big pivot halfway through and um and I think I enjoy books which sort of pull the rug from under you and kind of where you have that moment where you're like, no, you know, oh, we're going in this direction. Um, <laughs> so I can see you in the middle of the night somewhere high-fiving yourself. Yes, that's it. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> that's awesome. Even, and it's interesting as well because obviously there's a, a police investigation, there's a police chapter and there's police characters, but it's, it's fabulous the way you interject them because we just really hear from them and see them through the other characters' eyes, but you actually get different I guess, perspectives or different um, intel on the police as well because of the different ways you present them to us. Yeah, I think it's important that you see the, how they are responding to the characters, you know, their suspicion and um, their question, their line of questions so that you understand where they think the story's going to. Um, and it's just, it's another way of giving breadcrumb clues to the reader as as you kind of take them through the story to to keep them hooked were there um friends you went glamping with that kind of wondered about themselves and if they were the difficult people on the camping trip <laughs> i'm very fortunate in that the first friends i went glamping with um my best friend martha um she she was wonderful she she just kind of took us away i was a single mum at the time with two kids and it was um just a very rainy week in Cornwall, funnily enough, uh, which must be where the seed of the idea originally um, kind of grew. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we had an amazing time and she's still like my absolute best friend. So it was all good. Um, and I have taken another glamping trip with some friends since, which was very wild and very fun with loads of kids. But again, we all came home safely in one piece, still friends. So it's all good. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. And, um, and hopefully then that means no one was looking to see which of the characters they were. Um, I can I can honestly see this on the screen, like because of the setting, because of the imagery and and the unknown that you create for us, it is the type of thing you could see on the, on the screen. Do you think of that when you're writing? I do. So not that necessarily it would be turned into a, a screen production, but I love sitting down and watching those sort of um, high end dramas, you know, where it's a sort of three or four parter and you can't wait to binge the next episode. And so I had that very much in my mind as I was writing the book. You know, how do I create 
that sort of feeling for the reader and how do I make it you know I like to write landscape and I like my writing to feel quite visual for the reader so probably in a way I'm influenced by the dramas and the thrillers and the and the movies that I watch um, and you know trying to sort of pull that into the writing is always quite a fun influence. Now you mentioned off the top that when you were first started writing the search party there was another book that was going but the search party kept pulling you back so obviously there's something else on the boil as well. Yeah, I've actually just handed that one in to my publisher. Um, and yeah, very exciting. They, they love it. So there's, a, there's that awful moment where you sort of wait and you sit and you're just like, oh, please let, you know, please let them like this one. But um, it's all good. So yeah, hopefully there'll be another book coming um, very soon. Fingers crossed. Awesome. awesome. Well, it is. It's a universal tale of, well, I can't tell you what the tale is, except that uh, you'll be on the edge of your seats for quite some time. And you might think about very carefully who you choose to go holidaying with. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us on Crime Club and congratulations on the search party. Thank you, Victoria. It's just lovely to chat to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your company on QBD Book Club, the podcast. Back soon with more author insights.